piece, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, to help us bridge that gap from honesty to hope. So let's read these verses, beginning in verse 1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And if you know the classic bird song, you may start feeling the tune coming to your mind here. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his tool? I have seen the business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his tool. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor nothing taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear him or fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Father, we thank you as we've already celebrated through our time singing and reading and praying that you are with us. And God, we want to confess that you are enough. We want to pray that through the power of your Spirit this morning, you would break into our hearts, you would break into our reality, into our story that we're living out right now, and you would help us to find joy in you. Not a flimsy fix of a joy, but a foundational, fulfilling peace that only you can give in this world. And we thank you for this. It is ours to have and the freedom you give us in your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, in my grandparents' house, there was always a calendar that hung right beside their refrigerator. First National Bank calendar, and it was a calendar that if you looked at it, you might think this has kind of got some like sort of secret code. And when it has all of these moon shapes and all of these weird sort of pictures, and what it was was a calendar that gave you the signs. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it was the signs by which you were to plant your garden. It was the moon signs that told you what season it was and how you were to respond in terms of basically being a farmer in view of the, the changes of the weather, the changes of the soil, and ultimately even the changes to the rotation of the earth. And so there's much debate over whether planting by the signs, how, how much that uh, 
really calls is if you want to start a great discussion at a local maybe hardware or feed store, go in there and sort of throw out your opinion, and you might find yourself engaged in a, in a sort of heated argument before you realize it. But what is true is that if we don't realize how seasons work when it comes to planting or working with the earth, then we're going to be in big trouble. If you go and you try to plant a garden in the middle of the winter, guess what? It's going to be a lot of work, and it's just going to be a big frustration. See, when it comes to our lives, what Solomon is saying here is much the same way is that if we don't pay attention to the signs of the seasons, then we're going to find ourselves even more frustrated when it comes to the realities of life. Some of us don't like the seasonal realities. We read down through this list in Ecclesiastes 3, and there's the good and the bad and the ugly and everything in between. But the reality is, is that life is not timeless. There are seasons to do one thing, and there are seasons to do another thing. In one season, doing one thing is called wisdom. In another season, doing that same thing is called being foolish. It's wise to plant your garden in the spring. It's foolish to plant a garden in the winter. And so it is with life in this world that we live in. If we don't pay attention to the seasons, we're just going to find life even harder than it was meant to be. So let's think out loud. Why do you think maybe we often don't pay attention to the seasons of life or we don't like the seasonal nature of life? Of the seasons. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a good one. We have to wait. So it takes effort, right? We've got to kind of realize, be aware of what's going on around us. We can't control it. So wait. What else? Why don't we like it or why don't we do it? Change. Change. Hard. So true. We we actually kind of we look at our lives and we look at our culture, maybe particularly American culture, I don't know, where we don't really even know how to deal a lot of times with grief or and we really try to plan our whole lives around not those seasons not being here. But the reality is we can't control it. So what Solomon is saying in this book, what the Spirit is saying to us is that this this is reality. It doesn't mean it's easy. Change is hard. Some change is good, but a lot of change is really hard. I hate change. 
I don't, I don't like it that my mom's kitchen caught on fire several years ago, and the wallpaper that was in there when I was a little kid's not there anymore. I don't like it that my wife wants to redo one of my mom's bathrooms because it still has the wallpaper in there from when I was a little kid. So there's how warped I am when it comes to this. We don't like change. Some repetition is good, some of it's heartbreaking. But there's good news for us. We feel this, but we, we also want to feel as we dive into this, this topic today that from the beginning, God is the same. That from the beginning to the end, that we serve a God who is unchanging in the face of these frustrating, fleeting, and often futile realities that we find ourselves in the seasons of life. And so with God, we can deal with this ever-changing world. With God, we can, we can handle the repetitive cycle that we see here of birth, death, planting, plucking, kill, heal, don't kill anybody, breaking down, building up, weeping, laughing. If you're like me, this could happen within like an hour's time some days, right? A day's time. For some of us, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a year. It can be very disorienting, the seasonal nature of life. But God is faithful. So we're called to trust our unchanging God as an anchor in ever-changing times. Trust our unchanging God is our anchor in ever-changing times. So how do we do that? First thing is we've got to accept the, the seasonal reality of life. We've got to know this. Life is seasonal. All right? So first off, we've got we to gotta do that. We have to pay attention to the seasonal reality of life. So we see this in this list. Now, everything has its time. So for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So, so really, everything is touched by this seasonal reality. If you were to think of it in your life, really everything could change. It could change in a minute. It could change today. And as we think of these things, it is sobering to realize this, a time to be born. You think of the excitement of when a baby comes into the world and the joy that that is. And then there's death. Some people, this is real fast. You know people who the baby's born and then the baby dies. For some of us, we've experienced this in our lives where in one part of our family there's a birth happening, in another part of our family a parent or a grandparent's dying at the same time. A time to plant, a time to pluck up. We're not going to just go through all these. I don't think Solomon here is really making moral pronouncements. That's not his goal. His goal here is just to say, guys, this is life. This is the seasonal realities that we need to feel. A time to kill and a time to heal could go a lot of different ways with this, but we know in the history even of our country, right, when wars come, 
time to heal, a time where we just focus on building up and leaving where it's been broken. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh. But we realize there really is a time to weep. But there's also a time to laugh. Depending on our personalities in here, we're going to probably want to gravitate to what we underline. But the reality is that it's, it's all a part of life. It's a time to mourn. But then also a time to dance. As we go forward, a time to cast away stones. A time to gather stones. And many, many believe in all this gathering and language is... is is speaking even of our economic sort of status within this ancient Near Eastern culture. You know, there's a time to build, and there's a time to lay away. A time to embrace. Sometimes we just need to, to give a big hug and be close to people. Then there's a time to go to our room and be by ourselves. There's a time to seek and a time to lose. That's a hard one. There's a time where we go hard after something, we pursue it, and then there's a time where we say, it's lost. Time to move on. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Seemingly, I don't want to keep this, hold it close, and a time i got to get rid of something. Again, this is hard, hard, this change. It's really hard, right? If it wasn't for my wife, I would probably still have all of the clothes that I had Again, if you're, you know, if there's a time to get rid of stuff, a time to tear, a time to sow, to keep silent. Maybe some of us need to realize that, right? There's a time to zip our lips. Well, then there's a time to speak. Some of us need to hear that. A time to love, a time to hate. We talked about this hate. It's not in this sort of sense that, you know, vindictive. But there's a time that we really, when we look at the injustice in the world, there's a time when we look at what is evil and what is wrong, and we should feel that and stand in opposition to it. A time for war and a time for peace. We need to read through those again. I know we already had, just so we can feel that. I think it was called, the book was called The Outsiders. Pastor could correct me, but, you know, this big line in this book is nothing stays gold. Looking at Ecclesiastes, again, this, this, this word vanity or meaningless, what it's saying is everything is touched by the realities of frustration, the fleetingness of the past, and the futility of nothing ever really gets you all the way there. That relationship, that possession, that degree, you think this is what's going to kind of finally just fill me with fulfillment and peace and satisfaction. And it helps, but it's like there's still this nagging left of it. And what we see here is time plays a big part in that. The seasons of life. We have to deal with that. I remember when I went to college in Chicago, being from a small town down in Georgia, it was, it was probably early April or late March. My dad came up to visit me once, and he didn't bring a coat. Well, it was already warm down here. And I remember us walking through Chicago, it's snowing, and he doesn't have a coat on. 
it made what was probably hard for him to travel to this big city from this small town even worse because he didn't adjust to the seasonal reality of what life was like in that location. Maybe that's how some of you are trying to live your life, is if everything is just static. As if there is, there are no seasons. It's a timeless reality until you find yourself on one side or the other. You're stuck in the sort of negative side, or you're kind of stuck in the positive side. It's leaving you stuck on the inside. I mean, mowing has begun here, because it's getting a little warmer at least. But can you imagine people mowing in the winter? Can you imagine walking out there and say, well, I just mow my yard. I don't care what season it is. I like to mow the yard. I'm supposed to mow the yard. Well, that's a lot of work for the wrong season. And that's obvious, but we can act in similar ways. A season to dedicate ourselves, maybe it's, maybe it's in school, to work hard. And we decide, I'm just going to act like I don't have any work to do. A season when our children are little. We don't take advantage of the opportunities. A season with a friend. A season with a parent or a grandparent. Or a particular season, someone in your life that you're discipling is. Or a season in your relationship. What we're called to see is these things are going to come to an end. It's a reality. The seasons change. Pay attention to the seasons. We've got to acknowledge them. What does that look like? What do you guys think? What would it look like for people who pay attention to the seasons of life to live in light of that reality? That's a good one, right? Many of us, right, we're trying to just recreate something we had in the past. It was good. We need to give God thanks for it. But if, if we're not careful, we'll be living in a reality and missing actually what's happening now. way that this prepares us. Okay, God told me that season was going to end and this season was going to begin. This is hard, but I'm not, I'm not blindsided. that here in a minute, but that's, that's a big one, right? It, it requires a humility to submit 
to these processes of life that we would like to either put, we, wanna, we sort of would like to live with a remote when it comes on. Rewind, fast forward, or pause when it comes to time. But we don't have that remote. So it calls us just to summarize these to acknowledge versus deny, right? Don't live your life like somebody who's mowing in their shorts in the winter. Acknowledge it. This is the season of life I'm in. That's a big step in, in a healthy discipleship in our life. It's just, you need to name that. Here's the season I'm in. This is where I'm living right now in terms of the seasons of life versus denying that. If you need help, this is what one of the, we're for. You're like, well, that would be obvious. That's not always so obvious to us. We can get stuck with our remotes of life. It's, help me see what season am I in. And then I need to accept that versus despise it. Some good, some bad, some ugly. But what Solomon is saying, there's some gray areas. Right? We don't like gray areas. Ecclesiastes has a lot of gray areas. If this is a season where you're facing death, disease, departure, brokenness, you may just need somebody to say, hey, I've not even heard you mention the fact that this huge thing's happening in your life over here. We need to adjust versus dig in. May need to grieve. We may need to laugh and enjoy it. If you're prone to anxiety and worry, like someone said, right, you may just think, hey, let's chill out and let's, let's enjoy this right now. There's no shame in enjoying things. You may need to go to war, or you may need to go to the beach. You may need to work harder. You may need to take a rest. We need to be ready to summarize what you guys said. God tells us both sides of this list are coming. So we feel the heaviness of this. So the first thing we have to do is we've got to acknowledge the seasonal reality of life. But there's good news, too, is because we need to anchor ourselves into the secure unchanging reality of the character of God. This is where the good news comes in. And so a lot of times we just look at those first eight verses, but really we've got to read in the end of the rest of the chapter and at least these next ones. Because we've got to see that God is not under the seasons. This is good news. God is not subject to the seasons, but God is sovereign over the seasons. So the seasons of life deeply affect our work and our enjoyment. Right? So they lead Solomon back to this. I see how everybody's working. Everyone's busy. Everyone's doing all these things. But as Tracy Lawrence says, right, time marches on. Right? Time keeps coming. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And it makes things feel very frustrating, fleeting, and futile. But in verse 11, we hear this good news that God has made everything beautiful in its time. That may be just like a, a verse you want to underline or memorize that the sovereignty of God proceeds over the, the seasons of life and God has made everything beautiful in His time. And yet it's frustrating because we don't see all this. So verse, it continues, He has put eternity into the hearts of men. So we live in this seasonal world marked by the fall and yet we have this longing within us something more. 
for eternity, for a reality that is unconstrained by the fallen seasons and changes of the world. And then it's harder still because it says, yet so that we cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So God is sovereign over the seasons, and we have a longing to have something bigger, and yet God's not told us the answers to everything. He's not, always, he's not telling you why he's doing it or why he's doing it. He's not saying, you know, I'm changing seasons on you today. And here's the detailed description why. It's not how God works. And if we're honest, many of us would like for him to work that way so we wouldn't have to live in such dependence upon him. So we could be done with the relationship and just get on with our life. So what does wisdom look like, though, for those of us who would accept the sovereignty of God over the seasons of life? There's this, this vision here of this open-handed, open-hearted life. I perceive there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. That everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his tools. This is God's gift. That we could live into the seasons that we're given. That we could be honest, we could be aware, and yet we could be present. We could trust God. And we could say, wow, this is really great. I know this is going to end. This is, isn't this great right now? I can eat a meal, and I can say, wow, I know I'm going to I know a day is probably going to come where I'm going to be so sick that looking at this food will make me want to vomit. But right now, this is good. This is good. How do we do this? Verse 14 says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. You see what God's word is saying here is that in a world where everything changes, where you could create something today and tomorrow it be torn down, what God does endures forever. Who God is and what he does and who we are in him, nothing can change that. This is where our stability comes in the middle of the waves of change that we face in this world is that everything else may come to an end, but God is not coming to an end. Who God is and what He does cannot be stopped. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. There's nothing beyond the scope of God's redeeming power. Our children now are sitting here at 11 nine, and eight. And that blows my mind. They're, they're just not little anymore. I went to my 20th reunion this year. I can't go run without hurting. 
marches on. So much changes. And you just wish you could stop it sometime. You just wish you could press pause. But the students in here, right? You're graduating from college. What happens? Right? Everything can feel so slow in the middle, and then all of a sudden, it feels like it's over. It's over. In a day, a year, and a decade, so much changes. We don't know what phone calls we could receive this afternoon that would fundamentally change the whole course of our lives. The only way we cannot live in fear of the power of time is we have to live in fear before the person of God. And this fear, as we've said, is not this sort of cowering. It's, a, it's talking about a trust in the covenant Lord of Israel. That we anchor our souls in Him because everything else is changing so much sometimes. If we anchor ourselves into time in this world, we are going to live very unstable lives. But if we anchor ourselves in God, we find ourselves secure. Life is so painful sometimes. But as verse 11 said, God has made all things beautiful in His time. It's not that all things are beautiful. It's just that God has this, this way through His, through His just sovereign grace and love taking the most broken pieces and through His power, molding them, fashioning them, even designing them into this beautiful mosaic. Y'all know what a mosaic is? It's like a picture that's really beautiful, but it's made up of a, so many different little smaller parts. But if you were to see those smaller parts in and of themselves, you'd say, oh, that's a rock. That's ugly. Or some people do these with, guess what? artist comes along and takes the craft and starts to put it all in place. And if it wins, you're right. It's the most beautiful power craft I've ever seen in my life. It's Joseph. Sold into slavery by his brothers. These seasons of life up and down and then he has this open-heartedness, even through his tears, to say, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It creates in us this ability to embrace the mysteries of life. Because we've embraced the mastery of time. You think I don't want this season to end. It will end, but God will be there at the end. God will survive the change. And guess what? If you find yourself his child, you will survive. I just want to tell you that this morning. We're going to survive. We're going to survive. You might think, well, but you just don't realize how I've ruined my life. You don't realize the seasons that now have passed or the suffering that I endured during this season that I can't go back 
So I think this is where we're called again to see this, this message that whatever God does endures forever. That not only is God our sovereignty in the seasons of life, or not only sovereign for us in the seasons of life, not only is He our security in these changing seasons, but He is our Savior. Because we see as Jesus is sent into this world, it was really a long time coming. I mean, they had waited and waited. They had been through so many ups and downs as the people of God, the people of Israel. You can just see them wondering, like, when's it going to happen, God? I mean, the most common refrain through the Old Testament that we find, and we even find at the end of time, is, How long, O Lord? It's a word of marking time. How long, O Lord? But as we come to Galatians chapter 4, we hear these amazing words that at the appointed time, God sent forth His Son. Jesus came and He proclaimed the gospel. And how did He proclaim it? He said, the time is at hand. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God. As Jesus lives His life, we see Him living into all of these realities. We see him knowing, well, here's a time to heal. Here's a time to leave town. Here's a time to cry at Lazarus' tomb. Here's a time to make water in the wine so the party gets better. Here's a time to take little children up into my lap. Here's a time to go out and be alone. If you struggle with how to manage all of these seasons this time, we have this perfect Savior who's did it perfectly in our place. He knows what it's like. He's lived it. And if you're looking back on your life and you see the sin that marks certain seasons that you could never regain or the suffering that marks certain seasons that you could never change, we see Jesus now going to a cross. And what, how does he describe this going to the cross? He describes it as his hour. He says, wait a minute, when they want to force him to be king, not, not yet, my hour is not yet come. It's not the season for that yet. It's the season for this. And he said, the hour is coming in John 17 when I will glorify my Father. And he goes to the cross at the right time. And he dies there in our place for all the lost seasons that we squander, the lost opportunities, for the wounds that we bear through difficult seasons of suffering in our life. And then they have to wait. So we know next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Today's Palm Sunday. Friday will be Good Friday. Good Friday didn't look good. It only looks good, why? Through the passage of time. Because we know three days of waiting and the one who was crucified would arise. The one who looked defeated would rise victorious. The one who had been slain as the lamb from the foundation of the world, would then ascend and sit at the right hand of the Father to rule and reign forever and ever. 
whose kingdom will have no end. The Alpha and the Omega. This is where verse 15 gets so powerful. This sort of maybe throwaway phrase to you now, I don't think will be anymore. God seeks what has been driven away. Not only is He sovereign and secure, our security and our Savior, but He is the seeker of that which is lost in our lives to redeem it. You might think so many things in my life can be restored, but can all of that wasted time be restored? And there's good news for us today in the Gospel. You may look back on your life and you may say, well, that was just a fruitless season. I did all that work. What do I got to do to show for it? Spirit may just bring to your mind things like that. A painful season. I went through all of that. What's to come of it? A selfish season. God's showing you the Spirit even right now. Man, I really lived in selfishness. I can't go back. A loveless season. A rebellious season. A misdirected season. Man, I made the wrong career choice. And this is where we live, and this is heavy. But this is where the gospel comes into the honesty to give us hope. Because God is showing us that through the power of His sovereign spirit and His sovereign work, He is even able to go back and bring redemption from those times that bring glory to Him in the present and good to others in this world. Could we dare to believe that through the power of the gospel there is nothing wasted in your life? This is really good news. That God now even wants to take the painful memories of your past and He wants to now use that so that you can enjoy a deeper communion with Him today. That's not wasted. Hope because God will use the humility and weakness and dependence that such recollections bring to make you more humble and tender to caring with others who are presently in those very painful seasons you And hope because Jesus has covered it all. The tapes playing in your head have been covered with blood. Consequences? Yes. Condemnation? No. I believe Adam said this last Saturday. Do we get any redos? No. But redemption? Yes. Yes. So we persevere. I'm going to read these verses that tell us this in Joel. Israel hit by locusts, everything's destroyed. A lot of hard work, right? To grow a great crop. Gone. And then God says this promise, I will restore you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, and my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God 
who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never again be put to shame. What is he saying? He's saying all that looks wasted, wasted work, wasted time, wasted energy. As you trust me, I will restore your life. I will restore to you all that was lost. It looks like you've got nothing to show for it now, but as my people, I will make all things right. And we look to a, back to a greater promise than even Joel looked to in this word and the people of Israel because we look back to the resurrected Christ. And now we must submit ourselves to this process. The Holy Spirit has a scope and a sequence and a schedule for your discipleship. And you don't get to set it. And I don't either. He has a divine curriculum for your education of following Jesus. You want to make yours. Here's how I'm going to grow as a disciple. Or here's how I'm going to disciple others. And you know God sits in the heavens and he laughs. And we need to still make our plans. But time is a tool in the discipleship of the Spirit. He's going to say, this is where I want you to wrestle right now. This is where I want you to struggle. And we've got a couple options, don't we? We can resent that. Or we can submit to the Spirit's work in our lives. And we can say, this is where you have me right now, God. We can lean into that and trust. Or we can fight it by fear. But if you fight it by fear, just be made aware, God's Word says, you're going to be the man mowing the yard in the winter. You're going to be striving in the flesh instead of resting in the Spirit. So ask yourself, as we, as we finish here, a few seasons, what season am I in now? How can I be present in this season? not be living either in the past or in the future. How can I submit this present to the Lordship of Christ? Who is God giving me uniquely to love right now in this season of life in ways I might not have ever again? Who are the people? Where are the people? But also, when are the people? Pay attention to the seasons of life they're in. Trying to press them into my season? How can I love them in their season? How can I live on mission in view of the season? We don't give ourselves to the seasonal reality of life and hope in the gospel and submission of the Spirit. We will become bitter. God wants to give us a joyful opportunity today to be a part of what He's doing now. If we find our trust in Him, we'll find that we have an anchor, our unchanging God and an ever-changing God. Father, we submit ourselves to You. We thank You for the good news that is in Jesus, that You seek, away, seek what has been driven away. That though we get no redos, we get redemption. We pray now as we come to your table that we would taste and see the redemption you've given us through your Son. In whose name we pray.